answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of the program today. Both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our week, our work days with people like himself, and we uh, come here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. And if you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know that we are both practicing financial advisors, um, which means that we've got lots of experience as um, working with people just like yourself, individuals. Yep. Yeah, it's not of, a variety of different it's it's not just theoretical it is not just theoretical and we are of course we are also uh, principals of a um, uh, large financial advisory firm with offices throughout with great teams of advisors large being a relative term um, yes uh, large not compared to <laughs> let's say like a merrill lynch or a morgan stanley or well a, we're not um we don't manufacture products like those firms we're yeah. independent advisory yeah, yes firms. but in terms of independent registered investment advisory firms we are a fairly large we're firm. not conflicted by having products to sell that is right so, which, which is an ongoing. You know, it's interesting. We'll, we're going to hit calls here in a minute. If you want to join the program, our contact number to be part of the program is 833 worth That's 833-999-6784. But we've been an independent firm, Pat, since 1993. And back in the day, back then, the, the majority of quote-unquote financial advisors, I think they called themselves stockbrokers back then, were with the big firms, the big Wall Street firms, the names you can think about. Uh, and people would kind of scoff at us like, oh, we're not. Yeah, why aren't you with a, well, not not clients as no, much no, no, as no, people no. in the industry. But as as time has went on, what we've what's happened is today there are more advisors that are independent than there are in those big firms. And those big firms, their ranks of advisors are shrinking every year, not growing. Because the business model, a lot of great advisors look at it, and they call them these, now the, the industry has this term called Breakaway brokers. They break away from the big firms. Because most, they break away because a lot of them have these employment contracts and these forgivable loans such that it's hard for them to leave. Yes. Right? Well, they, 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 they try to put the hooks in All them. kinds of hooks on them uh, to keep them from leaving. Um, but today, there are more advisors that are independent. And I had a discussion with someone the last couple of weeks. They were inquiring about our firm or whatever. And I, um, he said something about, well, I don't like the idea that you use a third party. I have to use a third party instead of just having it all in house. You mean a third party like custodian? Using, yes, like using because we use firms like Charles Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade to custody our assets, not make the selection of the assets. That's correct. And the the benefit for an investor, or someone hit with the retirement savings, is that it's you don't have to worry about being sold some sort of product that the firm manufactures. Yes. I and mean, it's one thing if you're shopping for a car, you go to the Ford dealership, you know that the Ford salesman is going to try to talk you into buying a Ford. If you go to Chevy, they're going to try to talk you into Chevy and give you all the reasons why Chevy's better than a Ford, etc. Ideally, you want a financial advisor that, if you think about it, if you're like buying a car, if you had someone who was a complete independent person who will say this is the best car for your needs that is, receives no compensation from any car companies, then that's good. And that's so an independent advisor. That's kind of the relation. That's why there are more independent advisors and today versus these old line firms, which often referred to in our industry as wirehouse firms. You think wirehouse firms? Why did they call them a wirehouse firm? Well, if you think back 40, 50, 60 years ago before the great telecommunications that exist, there would be a dedicated wire from that office to the New York Stock Exchange in order to people to make trades. And That's they why they call wire them, in. Wire <clears throat> them right. in. There we go. All right, let's uh, take some calls. Again, to join our program, 833-99-WORTH. Numerically, it's 833-999-6784. Uh, 
We are in Cincinnati talking with TJ. TJ, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. Uh, Hi, I'm 44. Hi, I'm, I'm 44, and I'm looking to take an early retirement. At 44? Uh, next year. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and I, I believe I've got enough money to make it work. It, the, the problem I have is that most of my uh, retirement and savings is tied up into 401k. Okay. Um, and I'm looking at, you know, a, a, you know, a long time to get to where it's uh, yep. <laughs> unrestricted. And I didn't like the idea of doing like a 72T or, you know, kind of the standard or substantially equal periodic payments. And I'm trying to figure out Why? how to optimize for my taxes. What didn't you like about the receipt? So uh, the, under the, the IRS code 72 subsection T, yeah. you can take out what's called a series of substantially equal payments. Basically, yeah. you set it up so it's it's designed to last you to your dying day. Once you start it, you got to keep it that way till you're 59 and a half. You're allowed to do one yeah. modification in the future. And how, how much yeah. money do you have in IRAs and 401ks? Uh, altogether about 1.2 million. And how much money? So do you have outside of IRAs and 401ks? Uh, as far as saving in my taxable account, um, it's about a hundred thousand. And how much income do you feel you need a year from your savings? Uh, about 40,000. And, uh, wife and children? Uh, I've got a long-term partner. My kids are off the payroll. I had them young. No, you like starting. Oh my, my gosh. So why? <laughs> I know, I, let me. Let me. Um, kids are. You're 44. Your kids are already grown. Uh, why? Wow. What yes. do they, they? They call these. What did they call them? Fire. What was that term? That was financial independent. Retire yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. So why? Why do you want to leave the workforce? What? What? What is driving this decision? And this isn't a financial. This is just more out of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I uh, I don't absolutely have passion for my job. I get paid very well, compensated well. I've been there for 24 years. It's been a great company for me. Uh, but there's a lot of things I want to do that uh, take time and health. And uh, I don't see myself being able to necessarily do those things when I'm 65. So, you know, ride my bike cross country or hike the Appalachian Trail. I've got a lot of travel I'd like to do. Uh, that combined with my parents aging, and I see my father, um, you know, kind of uh, very quickly uh, having, a, you know, some effects of Parkinson's. Not a, effective, yeah, I got right? All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. And so. We hear yeah. you. Have wait, you, have wait, you. Wait, 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 one other question, Scott. Wait, is your partner going to retire as well? Yes. And she she's older than me, uh, but she has less assets. So you know, I would clearly, you know, we're in a long term committed relationship. Uh, she's got to have a leap of faith that I'm going to be taking care of her as well. And how much older? Uh, Eleven. And what do you old. owe on the home? We just sold our house, so we've got that sitting in a separate account. And uh, you're gonna for when we want to buy a house someday okay. in the future. So wow, that's not so. It's it's kind of like you're doing like a yeah. midlife yeah. adventure. Who knows where this is going to take yeah. you, right? Um, yeah, I don't, I, and I, I guess I, I have a hard time saying the word retirement because there's so many connotations that go with yeah, that. Yeah. But it's really, you know, because uh, I don't see, I, I see myself working at some point, but I really don't want to give up this really good paying job a little bit early when you know sticking around a little bit longer would have a much better effect. Well, of course, so, you can work until you're until the drop the day you drop dead. It'll be the best thing for you financially. So I don't you're never not going to be able yeah. to ride your bike around the country or hike the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, yeah. I don't, Scott. Yeah. I don't see a, a way around anything. Well, though, but here's in the seventy two. Have you considered splitting your retirement accounts into more than one account? So you you can take a seventy two. Let's say you took five hundred thousand dollar account and did a seventy two T off that. Is that still allowed? I believe it is. I don't know. I really, I don't remember. These were really common in the like in the nineties. Yeah, when, but I that used to be a technique. I don't do know if they it, allow it why anymore. Why do you think that they don't anymore? I just I remember legislation being passed that you had to take all of them into account. Mm. I don't think so. Well, that's what I would look at. That's and okay. and honestly, I haven't done a seventy-two T uh, myself personally in years and years and years. Um, so. We would actually dig back into the tax code to see if it's changed. In years past, what we would do is we'd set up multiple IRAs and then turn streams of income on out of those under 72 Ts if, in fact, um, people needed more income. But I remember 
it's it's kind of sticking in my brain that they had they changed that that you had to take all IRAs into account, in, including Roth IRAs. No, not not Roth IRAs. Okay, not Roth IRAs. How much do you have in Roths? I've only got forty seven thousand in Roth, um, but you know the the question is is can I start some type of like a Roth conversion ladder that would uh, you know basically be similar to doing a seventy two T if you will uh, paying the taxes on it uh, without penalty, um, but having some flexibility. Yeah, again, so here's what, so, doing, the, doing the 72T, what I'm worried about is, yep. you know, I'm six years in and I'm like, you know, I'm, I want to go back to work and now I'm still kind of locked into this, you know, set, set up. So here's, so here's what I would look at, right? So that is exactly my concerns, exactly what you just said right there, which is, hey, if I start the 72T and then I change it, you know, what happens? Um, your spouse is... Uh, you can have multiple... I've been looking at it. Can you? You could have multiple. So the, the, the thing that I would look at too is that if your partner, if you guys are comfortable with this, she can start a distribution out of her 401ks as long as she separates from service and she's over age 55 without penalty, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if she's comfortable using some of those assets for the first year or two, what I would not do is in your situation, I would not start a 72T on any account for at least a year, probably two, if I could help it. And the reason is okay. you you may change. You might find that riding your bike across the United States is miserable, um, right? Or that the Appalachian Trail is is not what you imagined. You might decide that you actually like work more than you did. And by the way, when I was 18, I tried to ride my bike across the United States with my brother. We started in uh, California, Sacramento. We went up into Yellowstone and down into Denver. And at 18, I did what most 18-year-olds, I didn't do the proper planning and we ran out of money in Denver. (laughs) (laughs) It ended up staying with a relative. But I did not have $1.2 million in you But you can, you you could say, let's say it's six months in, you're like, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, Because you don't want to draw, you don't want to spend down your hundred grand to suddenly only have 10 grand left and And, now you're forced. And it appears you can split the island. Just like, yeah, I haven't, didn't see any legislation. I would double check before I did it, but this is how we used, this is how it's been done in the past. You can split that. So you, let's say you have one account with whatever the dollar amount is, where you have some income coming from a 72T. That one you're locked into to 59 and a half, but they do allow for a one-time change in the future to reduce that way down. You'd still be stuck with something. Uh, and then if you find in the future that like I need a little more money, you can have a second account with a 72 T's. So you can get some flexibility there. Um, what you don't want to do is, is pay early withdrawal penalties though. I mean, that's for sure. You don't no. want to do that. Yeah. That's just, so give it a year, live off your savings for a year and then start a 72 T on a portion of the account. Yeah. Okay. All right. I would look at good, Hey, good luck to you. Good All luck right. to you. That's have fun. Thanks guys. Are All you going right. to be one of those I'll people always... that lives in a van? I've been reading about those people. <laughs> Yeah, I've already got the van. We we just finished it up. Oh, what kind of van do you have? It's a Mercedes Sprinter. Oh, there it's you a go. Big one. You have the bicycles Tall on the back. Really long. Bicycles I on the co- back. Uh, I no, covet those. The bicycles those. are actually in the in the, in the van underneath the bed. The bicycles are nice. I saw one. I'm in the, jealous. Yeah. I saw one of the. I saw one. I saw one this week at a grocery store, which was the Mercedes uh, Sprinter oh, vans. The I high love roof. those things. Bicycle. It had a mountain bike on the back. I'm not gonna ever get one, but I will, I want one. So, so appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> the day, the, the, that does, I, you know what? It sounds really appealing to me, but I know myself well enough that after about three days, I'd have I, Yeah, no. Nah. I mean, even on vacation, it was like after about a week, I'm like, all right. I, guess I, 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 uh, I could not live in a van for weeks on end. I couldn't. It would feel too much like Groundhog Day to me. I just know myself. Yeah, I don't know. Well, whatever. That's cool. Yeah, what a great opportunity. Your life. You know, it's interesting. We see younger people today. Um, Taking breaks out of their uh, career. I mean, TJ's forty-four, so I guess it's depending on. But I've seen people in their twenties or thirties doing that. My daughter just uh, she last this last summer. My oldest daughter she went to um, Asia with her friend for a few weeks. Her friend was a couple years older. Was a nurse, had been a full-time nurse for two years, saved some money, quit her job to take like four months off and travel. That's My nice. daughter joined her for a few weeks, but that's that kind of thing would be unheard of. Years ago. 
Maybe not. Maybe, well, maybe. Oh, well, I just think, is it just now that the communication's better and we're actually listening more, or was it unheard of? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's continue. And part of the thing is, Scott, the reason people are really, I think, willing to do that is the unemployment numbers are so low, they know yeah, they yeah, can come yeah, back true. to a job. If the unemployment numbers that's were true. 10 or 12%. She was a nurse. If she was like so lucky she had a job, it'd be a different situation. Yeah, but now she, she knows, hey, the chances of me coming back and getting a job are pretty good. Unemployment numbers are extremely low. Which means that you could quit. You're, people are more mobile in a low unemployment number than that's worse right. than they are otherwise. All right, let's uh, continue on with calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833-999-6784. We're talking with Jeff. Jeff, we're with Allworth Financial, Scott Hansen, and Pat McLean. Yeah, hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I just had a question regarding HSA accounts. Yep. Okay. Uh, my wife works... Uh, uh, at a county um, that has a high deductible health plan that she has an HSA account. And um, I'm curious about the tax advantages. Uh, looking, Googling and stuff, it talks about the three times three benefits, tax advantages to the plan. But I've also heard from a tax advisor that on your <clears throat> annual contributions, what you don't use from that year uh, for qualified medical expenses, then gets taxed. The balance that you don't use is that no, nope, that's nope. not right. That's that... wrong. Nope. So it's tax deferred. For, for so for the rest of the listeners, HSA is the health savings account. There are some other cafeteria plans. What are those called today? There's one flexible savings. Or... The FSA. Those are different than uh, HSA. Okay. HSA, you can contribute. Uh, Whatever the maximum deductible you have, fifty six hundred bucks a year or something like that, that can go into it. You can either choose to use those dollars for your medical expenses throughout the year, or you could choose to allow them to continue to grow. I have had personally an HSA for a number of years. I uh, I I I think I use a local credit union that gets distributed from my employer, which I'm co CEO, but the employer and then uh, periodically I will transfer it to a there's an independent firm that specializes in HSAs that allows me to invest in uh no load mutual funds so I can have a, and a so broad you never, portfolio you never I, my plan is not to spend these dollars until retirement time I figure right. as long as I have some cash to pay for my medical expenses I'll use that and I think of it almost like another sort of IRA Right. That's what I discovered. There's a certain amount with this particular, uh, it's with Optum Bank. There's a certain a threshold that if you get over that, then they allow you to invest in mutual funds and such. Yeah. And, um, but you can always and, transfer and can, to another firm. You don't have to keep it in that bank. Okay. Okay. So, but no, I just, um, uh, the last year was the first year we filed a tax return utilizing this HSA. And, um, you know, the tax uh, IRS sends you a form and such. And um, we were told, or I guess misled, that what you didn't use from that, that previous year's contributions would be taxed. Only so if you pull it out. So if, if let's say that, let's say you had $5,000 going into your HSA and you had $2,000 going to pay for some medical expenses or whatever, and you said, you know, let's just take the other $3,000 out and go spend it on a nice weekend somewhere. Well, then uh -huh. that would be taxable. Okay. Well, that's not what happened. I mean, it all went in there and stayed in there. And well, then, we only used partial amount of that to pay for various odd did you Did you the balance stayed and rolled over. Then on your tax return, do you see a line item where you it was included in your income? Well, that's what I got to do now. I got to go back, and, and we might have to revise our uh, yeah. eighteen or uh, tax return because um, you know I can't find that anywhere in all the research. But I've done are, are you sure it's listed? Go. Are you sure it's listed on your tax return? He doesn't know. Oh, he's got to go back and look. Look so at your tax return. No, I mean there's uh, that. The, I mean I got the form here. No, uh, I'm talking about your tax return itself. Do you see a line item on your tax return that you filed for last year that you year. paid income tax on that amount? That's what you need to look at. Okay. All right. I'll double check that. I know my guess is you it's not filled there. out this eight 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 nine form, health savings account HSA form. So, um, yep. and I'm not going to go searching through this tax return here while we're on the line. Yeah. But uh, okay, I'll check that. that out and make sure. It was very odd but, to me. But I'll tell you. So Scott uses his as a 
a supplemental retirement savings I account. Right. I, I, or, yep. or old age medical expenses. Old age medical expenses. Right. I don't use it. probably how it would be. I don't, although I am a financial advisor, and that's the way we should be using it. Uh, because we should be paying for our deductibles out of pocket. My wife doesn't want to do it, and so we don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> there you Happy go. Happy wife. Okay, because it's growing tax-free, right? Like you yes, said, that's right. It's like, like an IRA. Like that's how yep. I look at yes. it. Yep, yes. yep, exactly. Yep. You've got okay, it. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, Jeff, good luck to you. Let's continue with calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number here. We're talking with Will in Northern California. Will, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Will, are you with us? I don't know what happened to Will. But here's the, here's the thing. One of the things, when you're on hold, when you're on hold for a radio show, and I apologize if sometimes you have to be on hold for longer than, you know, uh, a minute or two, but when you're on hold for a radio show, the unfortunate thing is you have to be in a position where you're prepared to uh, start talking when the hosts are ready for you. So do you ever call into radio shows? Scott, have you ever called into a radio show? Other would, than being a guest, have you ever called yeah, yeah. in? I was, I was on Rush Limbaugh's show 27, 8, 9 years ago, something like that. You called Rush Limbaugh? I was on his show, actually, and 28, you, 9 years ago. What did you talk ago. about? I, I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember if I would disagree with him or agree with him. I don't, <laughs> I don't listen to much. Uh, the, I don't tend to listen to the, those kind of talk shows, um, but... Um, uh, and I apologize to the stations that are in this program if they run Russia's program. But uh. when I was a waiter back in college, uh, he used to come into the restaurant I worked at quite regularly, and I'd wait on him. And he was a he was a nice enough Rush. guy. Yeah, nice enough guy. Because he got a start in Sacramento. Yes, years ago. All right, let's uh, let's now go to uh, Charlie. Then uh, again, if you want to join the program, eight three three nine nine worth. We're in Texas talking with Charlie. Charlie, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, Scott and Pat. Thank you for taking my call. Hi. So um, I've been a, call, a listener for about uh, about two years now, first-time oh, good. caller. Good. Uh, thank you. I actually found your your um, uh, your podcast by accident. Uh, I was looking for uh, a podcast by Larry Burkett, and somehow Money Matters came up, and 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 I've been listening. Is Larry Burkett so, still alive? No, he's not. Oh. But um, I was I was looking for – I didn't know that at the time. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> but, wow. Uh, but, but his, his ministry is, right. Popular podcast, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So my question is concerning a deferred comp plan, a 457. So about nine years ago, I um, was uh, looking at um, uh, plans for my wife to to um, start you know her retirement or start enhancing her retirement savings. And I was accustomed to 401ks where the fees are, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. They're, they're not significant. But um, so I started investing. Well, she started investing in both a 457 and a 403B and um, – uh, not really looking at the fees associated with these things. Well, earlier this year, in fact, I never, I never really looked at the fees, assuming, which is wrong, but I assumed that they were relatively uh, insignificant. Um, but um, so earlier this year, I received a, a notice that the fees were going to increase by 50%, and the cap, which was used to be there at 150,000 in savings, was was going to be removed. So. Uh, not only was the, the was the charge associated with the the, the plan itself going to increase by fifty percent, but the uh, the uh, there was there was no longer going to be a cap. Um, of course, after that, then I stopped everything going to the four fifty seven, and uh, everything's going to the four hundred three b now. But my question is: Is there a way to move money out of a four fifty seven, the deferred comp plan, uh, prior to retirement? Um, or prior age, to her leaving her position. Age 59 and a half. Okay. And she's not there. Yeah. Yep. And what are the fees? Is this a small county or something? Small municipality or something? No, it's it's uh, Dallas area. So. How, 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 what are the fees? How big are they on the 457? Well, they, they went up from 0.006% to 0.009. And, and it's, and we do our own and you know, uh, determination of where the investments are and stuff like that. And so I'm not sure if that's significant, but compared to the 403B, which is, you know, 
like a flat five dollars a month for the management fees, it's it's quite a bit more. Oh, I think you're missing something there. Yeah, I might be missing something. Yeah, there must be some underlying mutual. If if it is less, if it's point zero zero six, and it goes to point zero zero nine, that's cheap. Uh, a, A month. A month. A month. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if it's daily or if it's an annual. That's an annual. Yeah. Because that would be. Yeah, no, I, no, I calculated it, and that's a monthly cost. And how much does it cost in a dollar basis on the, per, the end of the year? The, the cost in the dollar basis. Yeah, what's it, and what's it costing out of pocket? What's the actual dollars that you're losing to these expenses? Oh, it's um, like $120 a month on a. You know, oh, that on, is. On how big then. the count? Well, he's not, there's no management. There's no management. Well, about 150, it was 150 whenever I was looking at I it. I think, the yeah, maybe we either A, stop contributing, or two, lobby the employer saying, look, we're not going to put up with this. You're the employer. You bear the cost. Don't push it on to us. I mean, that's what's happening. They're pushing the cost on the employees. Say, look, there's a fringe benefit you're adding. You bear the cost. That's what I would, and unfortunately, you don't have any other options other than that. So we're going to take a quick break. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Stick around for more. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Glad you are with us. And if you want to join us with a question, 833-99-WORTH. Gets you to Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth. And we are in Northern California talking with Craig. Craig, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, and you bet. Long-time, list, long-time listener. And quick question for you. My daughter just uh, turned 16, started a job, and I'm trying to teach her to save at least 15% for long-term. Uh, you know, so 50, 60 years from now, she has some, you know, nice nest egg. And I'm trying to find out what would be the best way for her to, you know, once she gets, because after uh, working this summer, she has close to $2,000. So I know you can get In savings? Yeah, we put it, everything goes in the bank. (laughs) Well, you said you want to encourage her to save 15%. Did she make that much, that $2,000 is 15% uh, of earnings? No. No. Some of that. I was going to get excited for 16 year old. I'm going to come talk to my kids. No. no, Some some of that's from prior years. but now, you know, she has a regular job, you know, not the babysitting and all right. the other stuff she's done. But now she has a regular job. And so I know at that level, you can start investing in some things. And I'm th- I was thinking a Roth oral or a Roth IRA yep. type that, thing. Or- that's yes. what, I, that's yep. what I had my kids do at that age. And you had them buy, buy the total market? Uh, the S&P 500? Actually, I think when I first started, I used Vanguard and I might have used a... a a life cycle fund because the minimum was too low, but I think they've lowered the minimum since that time. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I think a Roth IRA is, is brilliant. Um, and you know, sometimes and we'll encourage some clients and whatnot to uh, maybe match their kids uh, contributions or stuff like that. Uh, Cause it's such a great planning opportunity that Roth IRA that, I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen some people, they say, like, look, I know I'm gonna, my kid's going to inherit some of my money. If I have an opportunity to fund a Roth IRA now when they're younger, even if they don't want to fully fund it, I'm going to fund it anyway because it's, it's just a good long-term tax planning strategy. So I think the Roth then, IRA is perfect. And then she can contribute, like if I was going to do what you maybe suggested, because I was thinking that because I've listened to you before. Of, you know, she puts in 1000 I can maybe come up with 1000 Yes, but she can come up to as much as she makes in the year. Is that correct? That's correct. So if she had, you know, W-2 employment or 1099 employment, that was $2,700 for the taxable year. She can, she can, the maximum she can contribute to a Roth would be $2,700. Okay. And then the next question, sort of, it's my, my part of it, I guess, is, is there anything that's going to happen uh, when I come up to taxes now that she has a job? I mean, I know she has to file, file her taxes, but She's also a dependent. I mean, she's not paying for herself. Yeah, so she's still a dependent. It's not going to have an impact on you. Her tax liability will be very negligible because she has very little income. She'll still get a refund for most of it, except for the FICA taxes. 
Yeah, so actually what right. we do with our kids is actually uh, when we, we fill up for their withholding, we, we, we take exempt. That's what I do with my children. Okay. So that there's, no, right. uh, well, there's no withholdings off of their uh, check. That's great. She'll, uh, she'll like my contributions, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Good, yeah. Yes. Well, it's in a way to encourage her to save, too. Yeah. And it's a great tax plan yeah. objective. Appreciate right. the call. Yeah. All right. Well, and congrats that she's got a real job much. for a sixteen-year-old. You know, it's interesting. There are some some kids now. It's harder for young people to get jobs, um, in part because one is you know I'm not going to get political, but the higher the minimum wage goes, um, the less likely someone wants to take somebody who has zero work experience and train them. Uh, and and I, I mean, I've we've we've interviewed people for work here that have had college degrees, graduated college, and have never had a job. Yes, I encourage my kids. Well, I shouldn't say I encourage them. I strongly encourage my children to get jobs in um, high school, every one of them, and in college. I my first child when I went when he went to college, I said, I don't want you to work. I want you to get the full college experience. And he said to me. Hey, this stuff creates a lot of free time, which isn't necessarily a good. <laughs> yeah, do you really? What, what part of the college experience do you really want me to have? <laughs> which is going to help me? Uh... So he pointed out that he would be able to work at least ten to twenty hours a week in college without any problem. And since then, all of my children have. So I, you know, my oldest daughter played sports, so she didn't really have that's, the time. That's and a... then coached. She'd have co- she'd get coaching jobs all through college. That's hard. It takes uh, time. And my son is a senior at this uh, year, and uh, he has a job at Best Buy. Oh, he does. Yes, continuation which he did in high school. Does he still have the long hair? Didn't he have the long hair? When was hair? the last time you saw my kid? It must have been years. Yeah, it was a while no, ago. No, he's got sh- pretty short hair. Oh, now. he does. So he's got the. Does he wear a tie at the Best Buy? Do they no, they wear, wear like like polo shirts that say Best Buy. Oh, ask me how or something. I don't know. Oh. Does he like the Best Buy? Is it truly the Best Buy? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is interesting when he uh, he was extremely liberal in high school. Like, like, I mean, Bernie Sanders probably wouldn't be liberal enough for him, right? And then he had this job, his first job, at, first real job at Best Buy. And he says, Dad, this is so ridiculous because I could be in the middle of helping somebody with their home entertainment system. And if it's my lunch break, I have to, I have to go on break. I can't, I can't finish the helping them out. And he's a commissioned salesperson? Does he get a no, commission? No, there's some sort of, not really, some sort of. But he's, I said, that's the labor law. Of course, you have to take a lunch break. It's the law. You have no choice. So that's ridiculous. I'm like, well, that's how it is. <laughs> then he saw someone else who had like really worked the system and lost her job. It was not on anyway. That's the way he put it. No way this guy should have been hired, but somehow he got his job back. And when he got his job back, this lazy guy didn't do anything. Someone else had their hours cut. Some he watched some single oh. mom. He watched literally a single mom's hours get cut because this guy that nobody wanted back, they were forced to take him back. And they start complaining how horrible these laws. <laughs> So he's he no longer the liberal? No. He's actually quite apolitical now. Oh? Didn't he study political science? No, he did uh, at first. He's yeah. lost interest in it all. He's been, oh. he, I think he realizes that, you know, we're it's humanity. Right? We're, we're just people. And that's not, I don't care how well you want to think about what we might somehow progress to. He realizes that you take broken people and you throw them in a system, you're not going to have a perfect system because we're broken people. But I don't want to get political. I'm just uh, stating my son's journey. Okay. Because personally. Well, you can guess whether Scott is liberal or conservative. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I try to be, you know, so years ago, we'll get back to the calls here. Years ago, I had a, uh, I had a client. He was an artist. Did sculptures and stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed him. And we're talking. And when he says, Scott, where are you on the political spectrum? I'm thinking, hmm, how do I answer this question? Because I want to honor this person and do the right kind of planning. And I said, let me, I said, where might you suspect I'd be? Well, you're a financial guy. You're probably on the conservative end of things. I said, I said, that's fair. I said, if I were looking for an artist and I found an artist that was uh, super conservative, I probably would not hire that person. <laughs> I said, just the way. Yeah, you, just the way people think. Yeah. I mean, I, I would expect someone with that kind of creativity. Just, I don't know why, but that's just uh we both had a laugh. That's actually, but until you visit a conservative uh, artist compound, um, <laughs> I'm sure they're they everywhere. They're, I'm sure they exist. They're, they're everywhere. They're uh, conservative artists. I, d- I did have my photo taken with Bernie Sanders at the airport a few weeks back. 
We should post that to the website. No, I don't know. And I don't, well, I guess we're talking about it now. But I'm at, I'm in. We're gonna get back to the calls. I'm in line at Southwest, uh, at a flying from Denver to Sacramento midweek, kind of late at night, uh, and I see man, it's Bernie Sanders, like five people in front of me. How'd you recognize him? Oh come on! <laughs> and there's entourage of people around him, uh, his handlers or whatever, and about to get on a Southwest flight. Although it wasn't Business Select. It was. It wasn't near the back. Uh huh. Or the middle of the plane. Maybe he has Business. enough miles. I know, whatever. So I'm sure he does. <laughs> and the gal next to me is waiting in line. I see her go up and get a picture. She's a young gal, all excited to Bernie Sanders. I'm like, I can't miss this opportunity. So I went up and said, Hey, can I get my picture too? And I got my photo taken with Bernie Sanders, just the two of us. And that, I didn't say anything to him because I didn't really know what to say. Because yes. It was actually the next day he was talking about he was going after Wall Street, going after the insurance companies, going after the damn 1%. Mm, that'd be interesting to see how the world operates when you take away the banking system, insurance system, and the wealthy. Yeah, which actually were <laughs> created by people, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then I decided, I, decided I, I never post on Facebook, but I decided to post on Facebook, Sanders Hansen 2020. I offered my services to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and of course, most people who are friends of mine obviously knew that I, was, I must have been joking. But I did have a number of people reach out, some like who aren't on social media that heard about it third hand. Scott Hansen's now running with Bernie Sanders. No, they did. Oh, I swear to you. I'm like, did you actually raise any money for your campaign? No, <laughs> I didn't raise any money. But, you know. All right, let's, see, uh, let's get to the call. All right. That's your brush with greatness, Scott. Is that brush with greatness? Brush with greatness. It's like meeting a celebrity. Oh, unkempt. Um, slightly wrinkled. <laughs> angry. <laughs> He's angry. Celebrity. I don't know how much of it's angry or how much is theater. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. It's don't working think, for him. I don't think he's going to be our next president. I don't believe so, but it's working for him. <laughs> All right. Uh, to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. That's 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Karen. Karen, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. Um, I have a question for my son. He's actually doing a residency. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, what should he do with his loans? He has currently about $211,000. So we're getting uh, different information that they're saying start paying off a little bit and or they're saying reconsolidate and then um, make a payment that way. What's, or some people are saying what, love term. So I'm confused. So there's, the, so we, there's a... When we talk about reconsolidating a loan, right? Actually, someone uh -huh. that someone that works for us at Allworth came to me recently, uh, a young lady, and she uh -huh. had a, some student loans, and she said, "I'm thinking about reconsolidating these student loans. What do you think? Should I do it or uh -huh. not?" And I didn't answer yes or no. I said it depends, and the reason it depends on what's the cost of money on each one of the loans. So when we talk about reconsolidating, it doesn't mean reconsolidating everything. Or nothing. Mm -hmm. It could be somewhere in between. Okay. So what's the interest rate? So what's the interest rate on the loans? How long are they and what the terms are? If you Because they're simple interest loans, you would only consolidate uh -huh. those loans that have higher interest rates than the ones that you're consolidating into. That's that's rule number one. Okay. So a if, bigger issue, though, Pat. I'm going to throw this out here. Is I was going to get there. I think I was going to get there. So ten years ago, the Congress uh, came up with was it Congress? It was the one of those presidential fiats, whatever you want to call them now. Uh, that basically that within certain types of industries, after a certain number of years, your loans can be forgiven within ten years. If you're if you're working for a nonprofit, if you're working for the government. 10 years, it's going to be forgiven. For the rest of the people, in 20 years, it's going to be forgiven. It's been 10 years. There's thousands of people that have said, hey, I've done my service. It's 10 years. Forgive these things. And the percentage of forgiveness of forgiven loans is like less than 1%. It's unbelievably low. Because the I mean, whether you're for yeah. support of the program or not, what irks me is when the, when the government lays out these. But there was never guidelines around it. That was the problem. They, they, they put out a. This is what is going to happen. But, but no, they didn't say what you had to do to qualify. And now people are getting there and they say, oh, sorry, you didn't. You should have checked box B, not box A 10 years ago. 
Too so, bad. So what we don't know is whether these loans will be forgiven. Now he's he's in his residency, so he's, I mean, assuming he worked for a nonprofit hospital chain, which I that he may. I wouldn't be in a hurry to pay any of these off, given the current okay political environment. If he were my son, mm-hmm. I would look to re mm-hmm. to consolidate into lower interest mortgages if or mortgages loans if it made sense. But I wouldn't be in a hurry mm-hmm. to to uh, pay anything off at no. all, <clears throat> at all. Okay. In in fact, that, exactly okay. the opposite. Let because what happens is they could come in and say, okay, we you know rural, you know you're in a rural mm-hmm. district. Um, That's right. There's already and, mm-hmm. and and who knows what and some some of these districts saying we'll pay your loans off if you come work for us. Correct. So I wouldn't be in a hurry, and I would reconsolidate the ones that make sense too, which is the higher interest loans than there are today. Uh, everything else I'd leave alone. All righty. So, so what what you, uh, franchise would you recommend to do the reconsolidating with? Do you have any suggestions? Who should I go with? Oh, uh, in terms of who to c- consolidate the loans with? Why is it? And let me. Why? Yes. Well, we don't know whether you should consolidate the loans. Well, so, first of all, it's her, her adult son who's in residence. Yes. So, what he should do, or she, he should do, is mm-hmm. actually take a look at the cost of the money. That's what you're interested in: is cost of money, and get a couple quotes to mm-hmm. see if cost of money is lower. If the cost of money is lower, then take anything and refinance and refinance. It's a higher cost of money. That's all you need to do. We don't care what company it's okay. with. It's just there well, the challenge oh, is okay. unless there's certain pro, unless there's some that are going to disqualify. I mean, it's a black box. We don't right even now. know. It's a black box. Yeah, we don't know. Mm-hmm. No because, like you said, Pat, okay. they had these. They came up with the parameters late in the game, and nobody understood them. So, so I don't. I don't even know. But you would most certainly refinance into lower cost money. And I would use whatever yes. government guaranteed programs were out there to back it. Because if you're going to get free money, good chances it's going to come from the government more than anyone else. Well, it, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the, some of this um, loan forgiveness because what, I, what I just, my, 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 I've got a daughter in grad school and my son's a senior at, at Boston College and I've been paying for their education. Are you thinking about having them take well, out personal A little late now. Work? No, I'm not now. No. But, I mean, let's assume that a couple of years from now there is some forgiveness. I would have thought, well, heck, had I... had I, the- You know, that's a good point because my daughter's in graduate school getting her master's in education. I should have done this. <laughs> but there's certain programs they don't qualify for. Oh. All right. Hey, before we go back to the calls, I... I continue to be disturbed, Pat, about equity-indexed annuities. As you should. And it's not that, like like a lot of financial products, there might be a time and place where they could possibly be appropriate. The construct uh, in and of itself of an equity-indexed annuity perhaps could be a, appropriate at some point in time. But for the 99% of the time and the 99% of the products that I've seen out there, they're just crap. Well, the, it, the biggest issue I have with them is the people, many of the people that sell them aren't licensed, securities licensed, they're insurance licensed. And the mere fact that you can actually sell something that is somehow tangentially connected to the markets stock market which in any other world you'd have to have a securities license to even talk about or you'd have to be a registered investment advisor isn't the case you know with you bring up an interesting point so if i were to uh recommend any if i were to recommend a total stock market fund or an s&p 500 fund to somebody i'd have to be i'd have to be either securities licensed which means which, you would be receiving a commission on that. And I'd go through lots of training, and I'd have to... Uh, you'd I'd, pass some qualifying test. Yes, and there'd be a um, public record for people can go search, find me, and I'd be um, scrutinized. Or, or you'd be a registered investment advisor, which means you were going to similar. either charge a fee or a flat fee or something. But and I'd also would, need to get a, go pass a securities test or be a certified financial planner. Yes. But on index annuities, all you have to be is licensed to sell 
life, life insurance, insurance, which is a what one or two week course. I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what it is today. One or two week course. I think it's like two, but, but so let's talk about the premise of how these are. Sold. I don't even know if you need a high school degree to be an insurance agent, know. but let's talk about the premises, how these indexed annuities are sold. And why are we talking about this, Scott? Because people are listening to this and like, they talk about this about once every three or four weeks. Why? Because we see people who come in here with money locked up that they cannot get out and they, they're not able to meet their income needs. So this is out of Consumer Reports. Or, or they're taking some withdrawals from them and just the fact that they're taking the withdrawals is causing any of the benefits that the policy could possibly have to be uh, eroded. So this is an article from Consumer Reports. Indexed annuities. Consumer may, Reports. Consumer Reports. Indexed annuities may promise more than they deliver. So yeah, in the article, financial planners and regulators are increasingly warning consumers to think twice about buying a popular annuity that promises better than average return, but carries high fees. Sales of index annuities, as they're known, have soared in recent years as insurance agents and brokers pitch the product as a way for investors, particularly older Americans, to boost their retirement income. But the problem is, according to this article, is that annuities are extremely complex, carry high fees and surrender charges, and often fall short of their promised returns. That's not us. That's Consumer Reports. That is consistent what we've been telling you for years. This is my favorite quote out of this I, whole I, I like the same thing. Article. I'm going to steal it. It actually, <laughs> and this is a quote from Tony Isola. He's a certified financial planner in New York City. I hope to meet Tony someday because this is one of the <laughs> best quotes I think I have ever heard. These annuities are like investment timeshares. You can't get out of them easily. The costs are high, and the salespeople are often misleading about your returns. Yeah, like a timeshare. I don't know anyone who wants a timeshare anymore. Do so, they still sell timeshares? They do sell, sell timeshares. But thank you, Tony Isla, for comparing annuities, index annuities to timeshares. But this they is, said the sales of index annuities this year will exceed $70 billion. Now, that's tiny compared to the trillions of dollars invested in stock funds, as an example. But $70 billion is a lot of money. So let's talk about the premise of how these are sold. These are sold is that you actually have no downside. You participate in the market gains. But when the market does poorly, then you don't lose any money. So on its surface, that actually has some validity to it. In fact, I heard an ad on my way to the radio show today about someone talking about how you can get all the you can get market gains, you participate in the market when it goes up, but nothing on the downside. So what they use the word carefully is you participate in the market when it goes. What they fail to mention is oftentimes these will have a 10 to 12 year surrender charge. And you don't really you don't get the full returns. You don't get the full returns. What happens is you get a percentage of the returns and you don't participate in any of the dividends in the market. And you have to stay in the contract for a period of time with no withdrawals in order to get it. So how do these insurance companies make these promises? What do they do? So let's deconstruct an annuity, an indexed annuity. What happens... It's it's not that the insurance company is saying, we're going to take the stock market risk for you. They don't take it. They don't take it. They, they don't, don't take a risk. They package a product. What they do is they will take your, let's say I gave them a million dollars. And I don't, you know, it's funny. We're I don't know when the last time we talked about this. I don't know if it was in the last couple of weeks, but it's one of these things that we see and it irks us. So if you're like, why are they talking about this again? But look, there is no such thing as a free lunch in the investment world. We see people that come in with, Index annuities wanting to move them out, and we have a difficult time helping them because of the surrender charges. What They're is massive. So an insurance company, I give an insurance company a million dollars, and I buy an index annuities. I'm not really buying them. They're sold to me. So I buy an index annuity. What does that insurance company, Scott, do with that million dollars? Well, first, they take a portion of it and pay a fat commission to the salesperson. Oftentimes, anywhere, as I said earlier, from... Eight, nine percent, ten percent. The longer the surrender charge, the so if you own one, the longer your surrender charge, the, the higher the commission. The bigger the commission. So, so if, they have a vested interest 
a salesperson has a vested interest to sell you a long surrender period. So I take my million dollars, they take $80,000 or $70,000 and they give it to the sales guy. Number one, normally up front, by the way, so that the outcome of the index annuity doesn't really matter to the person that sold it. Then they take the rest of the dollars and they take 90 plus percent of it and they buy bonds. bonds. What are interest rates on bonds today? They're really well, considering that Apple just sold some 30 year bonds at less than 3%. So they buy bonds with them. Uh, uh, there's a, a bunch of companies have now less than Disney, less than 30%. Once than they 3%. sell those, once they buy those bonds, they take the income that is generated off of the bond and they buy downside, excuse me, they buy upside options or put options on an underlying index, normally the S&P 500, but it could be something else. So how can they say they guarantee? Well, what happens is assuming they're going to take that risk on the bond portfolio over that period of time and the income those bonds generate, they're buying the options, which is the ability to participate in a percentage of the market. The way the annuity contracts, these index annuity contracts start and the way they end are oftentimes completely different because they give themselves wiggle room as to the participation in the marketplace. They, can, they, they have the ability to change the rules of the game midstream. So you might buy an equity index annuity. It's got a 12-year surrender charge. They tell you you're going to get 80% of the increase in the stock market. And three years down the road, they say, you know what? It's now 40%. I've or, seen these. Or 30%. But that's why... This quote, annuities are like investment timeshares. You can't get out of them easily. The costs are high and the salespeople are often misleading about your returns because they don't tell you about the bad so stuff. Look, and the reality is if you're going to buy an investment product for 8, 10, or 12 years, you're going to be able to withstand a market cycle or two. For 12 years. Yes, of yes. course. Yes. So stay away from them. Anyway, we are about out of time. If you have yet if you haven't been to our uh, website in a while, All Worth Financial, encourage you to do so. We've got a great set of learning tools there. We have a thing where we talk about equity index annuities. If you want to learn more about that and some annuities in general, but also we've got some uh, uh, variety of great blogs and I'll just, I don't even know what we have. <laughs> it's quite a bit. I was actually on the website and everything on our website um, we do internally, which means that we write the articles, we do the videos, we do the production behind it. It's our opinion. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not repackaged stuff. It's all stuff that Allworth produces, and um, I think it's uh, with our spin on things, our take on things, we should say. So, anyway, we're out of time. Thanks for being with us. We're here the same time, this channel next week, or our podcast. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.